I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 269. Ooh, 269. Uh-huh. Uh, do y'all hear this tornado weather outside? Because we do. Yeah, it's a downpour. We luckily got in right before the bottom fell out. Yes. Colby even mowed today. I was like, are you sure? Because, like, it's about to pour. But he got it done after work just in time for the bottom to fall out. So, if you hear bowling balls, it's thunder. <laughs> yes. Or Carrie living above you in the dorm. Either way. You know, Colby told me the other day, he goes, you walk so hard. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't. Because, you know, my instant, my, yes. well, my, like, my first thing always is no. Like, uh-huh. I will always disagree with you, even if you're right. And then I was like, wait, like, I do yeah. walk really hard. <laughs> Me too. But in the dorm, uh, we bunked our beds, and I was on the top bunk, and I would throw books off the top bunk, and they'd be like, pow, on the floor. Mm-hmm. We had a rug. <laughs> now, if someone else would have done that to Carrie, oh, she would yeah, have been pissed. It, it didn't honestly dawn on me that they would hear it because it's like cinder blocks, <laughs> yeah. you know? But they could. Colby and I finally, well, we caught up as far as we could on New Amsterdam on Netflix. So, unsure uh, where we're going to go with there. I think there's one more season. Fun fact, saw this on something. Did you know that New York was originally named New Amsterdam? No, I had no idea. Which is, I was like, oh, is that why that show's called that? Is it? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was probably like on a TikTok, so it might not even be right. <laughs> Stick with me. I'll tell you all the actual facts of something I'm not really sure of. Uh-huh. But anyway, we started and finished Night Agent. Oh, yeah. That was good. Freaking so good. One of my coworkers was like, I couldn't get into it. The acting was terrible. I was like, what? I mean, it's not like Oscar winning, but it's good. Yeah. Like, there was never a time where I was like, oh, this acting, though. No, I don't think it was bad. I didn't think so either. I couldn't decide if I thought the lead guy was cute or not, though, because sometimes I was like, yeah, he was kind of cute. Then other times I'm like, nah, not my type, because that matters to me, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, it just makes you really get into the role. Mm-hmm. But he looks exactly like you would think an FBI guy would look. Well, I watched something on Netflix, too. It's called Missing, Dead, or Alive. And I think it's four episodes. And it's kind of documentary style. And it covers, I think, four cases about missing people. Yeah. And it's based in South Carolina. It was really good. So if you want something that's a little bit longer than like a two-hour documentary, because it was four episodes, but it's not daunting and like a whole season yeah okay remember last week i said oh undercover underage is back yeah well the second episode dropped and it was action packed okay so seriously y'all need to watch it however remember i told you i matched with a guy and he was kind of giving me an ick mm-hmm. we talked about it on the creepy naughty live and i told y'all all about like how he came to the town that i live in yes but i didn't tell him that we were gonna meet like all the things okay and so i was like uh-uh no nope nope whatevs well he had been like hey do you want to play the numbers game and i was like what's that you know i'm kind of dipping my toe in the young young pool like of you know 23 year olds so he's younger so I was like okay what what's these cool hip kids doing like what's a numbers game and he sent this graphic and it's like 160 questions okay and it breaks it into different parts at first it's like all those questionnaires that we would do like through email and on Facebook you know like yeah favorite color favorite book you know that kind of stuff that I still would do if someone tagged me in okay I'm just saying 
then it gets into sexual shit, obviously. So the person will say like, okay, answer like 17, 21, and four, you know? And so you answer them. Well, I was like, okay, I mean, this is fine, whatever, you know? Especially for somebody like me who's not good at conversation. I can see how you'd be like, okay, maybe he can't think of things to talk about. This gives you something to talk about. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Because he might be a little shy, just like you said. So I was like, this is fine. So again, remember, he gave me the ick and all the things. So he's out of my life, you know, and I did not ghost him. I told him the boundaries were crossed and everything. I am not a ghoster. But on this episode, one of the people, the pedophiles that they're profiling uh, to get information, she's like, hey, ask him if he wants to play the numbers game and sent the fucking graphic. (gasps) Yes. And um, I was like, what? (laughs) Like, and not that he sent it to her. So it's not like from that. But like, I I don't know. It was just like, whoa. Yeah. uh Uh-uh. Don't like this. Uh Uh-uh. But it was good because they could get information from him. So Mm -hmm. it's like, number 17, what color is your car? Blue. You know? And like, you can keep going and then be like, number 22, what model is your car? And he's like, Mustang. Yeah. You know? So you're like, okay, okay, okay. Like. We got this. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't know. It was just like, uh, it's a small world. What's going on? Yes. Nope. Meanwhile, I like those games because I like to see, like, I like to do them with Colby and, like, see if I can answer them for him. Oh, like, yeah. Like, do I know enough about you to be able to answer these questions? You know I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I think you're okay at it. Says a girl who says probably once an episode that I don't actually know her. You don't. I think I do, though. You don't. But sometimes you just, you come out of left field. No, if we could just someone replay all the things that you're like this, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, if you want more of this banter, let me tell you where you can get it. We are going to be at the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival August 25th through the 27th. Of this year. Mm-hmm. And we are doing a live show. Yeah, you heard me say that. And then right after the live show, we're going to be playing Paranormal Bingo. There's going to be prizes. There's going to be us. What more do you need? You know I love bingo, and I have the bingo fat ready to wave it in everyone's face because I'm, oh, I can't play it. I'm going to be calling it out. Never mind. Yeah, but you can still wave the number in the air like you just don't <laughs> care. <laughs> yes. But if you can't make it to the festival, we are doing stuff other than that. We're going to have our personal meetup at Star Bar. And we're doing a paranormal investigation at Pioneer Farms. Yes, and I'm so excited. I'm actually really excited about the paranormal investigation. Me too. And Creep Mom has been amazing at getting all this together. Her and Morgan. Creep Mom was talking to the people over the paranormal investigation. And she's like, look, we're extra large pizzas. How much walking's involved? Yes. And the lady was like, okay, we'll do it with multiple stops. You know, yeah. like very accommodating. Yes, they were. And the girls got the bar meetup set up for us. Oh, God, love that for us. <laughs> I know. It takes a village. It really does because... Again, Teresa Creep Mom has always said it, that we are like herding cats. So, <laughs> yes. so glad they set all this up. You're going to go to truecrimepodcastfestival.com and you can buy your tickets. But if you use the promo code APC, you're going to get 15% off. So, uh, 
on the website and do that. Right. Save some money. Honey, it's always at a hotel. So there's accommodations at the hotel or you can stay wherever. But like she said, it's in Austin. And hopefully, Patreoners will be there. <laughs> hopefully, we will see Athena H. from California. Brianna S. from Arizona. Anthony G. from California. Mario from California. All these Californias. Brennan J. from Arkansas. Patricia C. from Washington. Bonnie T. from Texas. And Don M. from Indiana. If you want an episode shout out and all the stuff that they're getting on Patreon, you gotta go to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. We've recently tried something new. We're, it's been one night, literally last night, because <laughs> uh, we were doing Am I the Asshole bonus episode. Now we're doing it live. And so you can watch that live or you can watch it later. So who knows how long that's going to last. We try to change things up all the time, but right now that's our new shtick. Well, and I liked it because we got to talk and interact about like, oh, do you think they're the asshole? No. Why? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because you can type in the chat to us. Although it does make me have to put makeup on during the week. Oh, Lord. I told her you don't have to. It's Look, we had a work picture yesterday when we did the live. So that is probably the only time I'm going to look like that. Mm-hmm. Same. Oh, you, you had a work picture I did. too? From home? <laughs> so someone told me that Mercury was in retrograde, and I believe it. Big Huzz. Actually, he said Mercury's in Gatorade, but you know, it was a joke. I have been in such a blah mood all week. It doesn't help that the weather has been like it is right now. It's like thundering and all the stuff. But I have just been in that place where I just want to lay on my couch in a blanket burrito and not do anything. Girl, I feel that. Last Sunday, our lives have been so boring because it's been raining and stuff. But last Sunday, Colby was like, you gonna have a bed sore from sitting on that damn couch all day. <laughs> I did nothing. Woke up about 9.30, sat on the couch, watched TV, fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> like, it was glorious. But I'm over it. I'm over feeling this way. But, you know, like, when you're in this slump, you can't get out easily. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, 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 I don't feel good. And I want to feel better, but I don't feel good. Girl, I get it. I don't know if I told y'all, but I bought a Peloton on um, Facebook Marketplace. It was way less expensive than, like, a new one is. And um, definitely paying for the membership right now. And I've been on it two times. Once the day we got it and once for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, I cannot do it. Cannot make myself walk into that room and get on it. We don't talk about the Peloton. <laughs> like one time Colby asked me like, are you going to ride the Peloton? And I lost my shit. Like rage. Like <laughs> we don't bring it up because it's an insecurity for me. Yeah. Because I haven't been on it. It made me rage. So it's like we don't we don't talk about we don't talk about the Peloton around here. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. Yes. But that's how I feel about that. It's like this funk that I just can't get in there. Yeah, it's a mental block. Well unblock me. Y'all, before we get into my story, we got to talk about probably the most excited Colby has ever been about one of our sponsors. Right. I was going to say, uh, no, he loves golf, but you're right. For one of our sponsors, the most excited he's ever been. Manscaped is here. New sponsor alert. Literally when I said, guess what? We got Manscaped. He went, no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> And y'all, Manscaped has done wonders for Colby. And for you then. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> they have a thing called the Lawnmower 4.0. That's the game changer for trimming the balls. Ooh, 
yes. Because Colby was like, when he tries to trim, because he's used his regular trimmer before, and he's literally nicked his balls. And he's like, I got so scared to trim them again. But he said, with this, it was smooth sailing. Well, Colby's not the only one who has tried that. I was going to ask. Well, <laughs> well, because, okay, y'all know I normally get waxed, but I had to push it back. And Colby was like, use my Manscaped. Okay, so you've used it. I did. And how'd you like it? Loved it. I mean, I feel like they're probably like, this is not for women. But I mean, you loved it. I loved it. And that's just it, though. You don't have to be a man to get Manscaped. Yeah, because you know what? It's the quality of the thing that, again, it doesn't nick your little sensitive areas. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody trying to nick down under. No, the undercarriage is very sensitive. Now, Donna's trying to get a nick from down under, but she doesn't (laughs) want to nick her down under. Exactly. And with Father's Day coming up, they have all kinds of packages for you. They have a package that is their signature beard hedger trimmer. That's a mouthful. That's what I say to Colby, too. Uh, Beard shampoo and conditioner, beard oil, beard balm, and then two free gifts with their beard comb and scissors. And y'all, Colby has all that beard oil and stuff, and he loves it it smells so good he likes the way it like the after feel of it what's really cool about it too is that there are 20 different hair cutting links with one guard like you just like click, click, click. like you don't have to change the guard out with this huge package of so many different guards uh i'm gonna be honest one of my favorite things that he has now is the nose trimmer oh really yes i'm like can you please use your nose trimmer <laughs> And something else, just for the, you know, special daddies in our life, um, there's Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Toner. I'm like, uh, yes, 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 yes. The packaging on this is amazing. Just the bag that you put your tools in and stuff was so nice. Yeah, it's a perfect travel bag for all of your man's toiletries. And I love the names of everything. So we said the lawnmower 4.0. They have a new Weed Whacker 2.0, which is the ear and nose hair trimmer. And then like you said, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Like the names themselves. And here's the thing. I think that male grooming is really kind of starting to take off. Men are getting more comfortable talking about it and doing it. And this is the perfect way if you have that person in your life that's like kind of interested but unsure I mean, this is the way to go. It's good quality pieces. Again, they don't have to worry about nicking themselves. Well, and also, if you want to do that to your partner, like maybe they don't want to shave their balls themselves, but that's something that you could do for them. It could be a whole thing. But if I were doing that with like a razor, I would be so scared. Yes. But with the lawnmower 4.0, I'm not. I'd be comfortable, you know, trimming their hedges. I mean, you're like, I got my new zero turn. <laughs> so y'all have to get in on this. If you go to manscaped.com and enter code CREEP, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com and then code CREEP and you get 20% off and free shipping. Father's Day is right around the corner. So give this gift to the partner in your life. For 20% off and free shipping, go to manscaped.com and enter promo code CREEP. And let's just be honest, your mouth will thank you. Okay, so my story was a recommendation from Lindsay in the Discord server, which if you're like, what's the Discord server? That's available to people who are on Patreon. So if you want to join the Creepinati, join Patreon, same thing, then you can get access to this Discord server where you can chat with us and other members of the Creepinati. Also, Lindsay and her hubby are going to be in Austin with us. And they were last year in Dallas. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so this story is about Dorothy Parker Tabersky. So the story also took place in Canton Township, Michigan. Okay, picture it. It's like 1963-64. Dorothy's in high school. She's a sophomore. She's 16 years old. And in her biology class is the cutest guy. And she is like smitten head over heels and like he feels the same way which is like really cool when you're young and you're like oh I think I'm in love and then they feel the same way about you rub it in my face why don't you but here's the thing Dorothy had actually set this guy up with her older sister first but her older sister was like I'm not really that into him and Dorothy's like well I am so I'm gonna date him okay his name was Leonard but here's the thing they were not allowed to date why? He was her biology teacher. Oh my God, I almost said, now if it was me, it would be the teacher. Well, he was her teacher. Okay. He was 21 and she was 16. So this is like so cringe all over the place. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like kind of hot when you think about it, but then you're like, no, this is disgusting. Yeah, in like, the reality of it, yes. it's not good. In the Lifetime movie, you're into it, but then you're like, no, this is an actual 21-year-old preying on a 16-year-old. Yes. And then you're like, that's actually disgusting. But they both really liked each other. And since they weren't allowed to date, Dorothy actually dropped out of school so that she could date Leonard. The fuck? Yeah. And she never got her GED or anything like that. One podcast I listened to um, called Small Town Murder, they had found like an older article and stuff. So they had a lot of information I never saw and I never found that article, but that I never saw anywhere else. That's where I heard about the sister going on a date with him and all of that. And according to them, the mom was very anti this. The mom was like, you're too old. She needs to finish school kind of thing. Like, absolutely not. His mom? No, Dorothy's mom. Oh, okay. But eventually, Leonard and Dorothy got married. And within about three years, they had two daughters, Kelly and Kim. Now, I did see their names different somewhere else. There was a show on this. Everything on the internet said Kelly and Kim. So I think the show just changed their names. You know, like all the underage people. So I'm pretty sure their names are Kelly and Kim. And that'll be important later. So when they got married, Leonard was super particular about the expectations that he had on Dorothy. Like he wanted her to be at home, do all the domestic stay-at-home mom type things, even before the kids were born. And he was very particular about the way things were done. Like he was one of those people that you got to take your shoes off to walk into the house. On that small town murder, they said he even like drove his car with gloves on his hands to not get things dirty. Oh no. Yeah, he was super particular. And then especially as the kids came, he really wanted... Dorothy staying at home and raising the kids, cooking, cleaning, doing all those things. But it was to the point where she was isolated. Like it was a control thing. You know, wasn't really allowed to have friends, wasn't allowed to have interests. Like even on Small Town Murders, they said that like even her wanting to get into reading and he was like, you don't have time to read. You need to be cleaning. Oh, gosh. So she just had absolutely nothing that was her own. Nothing that was her purpose other than her kids and cooking and cleaning. Yeah. That was really hard for Dorothy. And she got so frustrated with the way that her life was going and her marriage. Well, because she never had a chance to explore and discover herself. Anything for that matter. She was 16. Now, and apparently 
Dorothy and Leonard argued a lot, like to the point that even the neighbors could hear them yelling at each other about literally everything. I feel like I've said this like four times on Small Town Murder. This was the only place I heard some of these things. There was one point where allegedly Dorothy had a black eye and her sister was like, girl, what happened? And she's like, oh, ran into the door. Yeah. Like it was nothing. But she did have a lot of bruises on her and stuff too at different times. But then they were like, well, she does bruise easily. Which I do get. I know. I'm like literally side-eyeing Donna. <laughs> we do know that Donna bruises easily because she's on blood thinners. And I don't think that Dorothy was. So yeah. something potentially was going on. But they both stayed in the marriage, raising the kids. And at this point, the kids are older. Like Kelly is like 17, 18. And Kim's probably 14. Right around the age that Dorothy was when she met old Leonard. Exactly. Mm. So Kelly was working and met a co-worker named Craig Albright. Now, same thing with the girls. I've seen his name different, but I'm pretty sure it's Craig. So Kelly and Craig, boyfriend and girlfriend, hung out all the time. I think he had some issues at home. So I feel like he was at their house a lot. And I think Dorothy, I'm totally just guessing here, but I feel like Dorothy kind of saw herself in Kelly, the young with the boyfriend, and she wanted to hang out with him. She wanted to find that like young love again, because that's about the age that she was when she met Leonard. Now, I I don't know that at all. This is just me. This is what I think. But Dorothy started hanging out a lot with Kelly and Craig just at the house, but then she would go on dates with them. Like they'd go to the movies, bowling, whatever, and she would go with them. At some point, Craig had a falling out with his mom and he was kicked out of the house. So they let Craig move in to the house. God, I am just like cringing over here. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. I mean, I don't know how the story is going to play out, but I feel like I do, and it's making me cringe. So, allegedly, Dorothy became pretty infatuated with Craig, and it crossed some lines. Like, she would stand over Craig while he was sleeping. What? Yes. (laughs) Yes. No. And allegedly, one time, she tried to make a move on him, and he turned her down. So she just walked around the house in her underwear to try to like entice him. And when he like wouldn't have sex with her, she would like call him a chicken and stuff. Oh, gosh. Like, now, this is still terrible because it's her daughter's boyfriend and she's married. But Craig is 18. So he's legal. Yes. But still, the pressuring and oh, yeah, it's, all of that. It's, so cringe. She's 20 years older than him. He's still a child. Like, legally, he's not. But I mean, allegedly, they did have sex twice. I hope it was consensual. Right? I do feel like it probably was-ish, which means it wasn't. Mm-hmm. There's no was-ish. But like, I feel like he was really pressured into it. Probably because he's like, I'm staying at their house. Right. And the power dynamics yeah. is so off with this yeah yeah it's it's not consensual by any means yeah and then the second time probably happened because she's like i'll tell kelly which we don't know that but i'm just saying i know but we but we don't know that yeah and and he may have been into it we we don't know but if she had to call him chicken and all the things allegedly though that's i mean okay that we don't have camera footage of it thank god but also we want to believe people when they say that they're pressured into stuff you know what i mean 
Yeah, 100%. So Leonard and Dorothy have been married now for 20 years. He is the dean at that high school where she dropped out of. That wow. he was a teacher. So, like, he got promoted and all this stuff. Like he just, he's a guy. Because if it was a woman teacher, she would have been fired and everything else and, like, ran out of town. But also flip that with Dorothy and Craig, and it would be a very different situation of the pressuring of Craig if Craig was a girl and Dorothy was a boy. 100%. But Leonard, like I said, was very controlling and seemed to be pretty damn jealous of Dorothy and her interactions with men. Rumors were spreading about Dorothy and Craig. This really bothered Leonard. But again, remember, they fought a ton, and they just seemed so toxic like they just fed off of each other's hatred almost i wonder if they had good hate sex though i don't think so probably not and that's probably why she was like "Ooh, craig you literally sounded like a line from friday i know i did (laughs) okay so on september 22nd 1985 kelly comes home from work and dorothy's like at the kitchen table filling out paperwork and is like hey you like need to sign this like look at this whatever and kelly's like What the hell is it? And it's like her will. What? And Dorothy's like, yeah, I took some pills and I'm about to die. What? And Kelly's like, literally like that. Like, wait, what? And Leonard's at the house and like acting like, I don't know if maybe he didn't believe Dorothy. He was just very nonchalant about it. And so Kelly was like, wait, what the fuck? We need to get you help. Like, what is going on? Well, Dorothy ends up leaving the house. So Kelly, of course, like calls police and all of that. She's going to neighbors' houses, seeing if she can find her mom. Well, emergency responders end up finding her like passed out. Take her to the hospital. They pumped her stomach, did all the things, and she survived. Oh, gosh. But less than a week later, Leonard tells the kids not to come home. He says that he and Dorothy got in a huge fight. Go to your grandparents. At some point, see, Craig was still living there. Even though Leonard had heard the rumors and all of that, Craig still lived there. Well, apparently, Leonard would not let Craig come in to, like, get clothes or anything. Like, he's like, you, you just got to go. At the same time that he sent the girls to the grandparents. Well, then Leonard tells the girls that you know, they had gotten in this huge fight and that Dorothy had left angry and that she said that she needed a couple of weeks to cool off and she needed a break from them. Well, she never came home. Oh gosh. So the girls are like, what the hell? Trying to find her. Talked Leonard into submitting a missing persons report. So he does. And when the police are digging, they're asking him questions because of course, who do you look at first? The family. And they're like, hey, will you take a polygraph about like, where is she? What's going on? And he's like, absolutely. And he does. Well, he passes. Flying colors. So the police bring Craig in because he's living there. And He's like, okay, here's the tea. So one night we were in my car and Dorothy and I hooked up. One of the articles I found said that was the only time, but never again. But then a couple other things said that they had hooked up twice. But so police are kind of getting this picture of there was some stuff going on with Craig and Dorothy. And then Leonard and Dorothy were at odds, you know, but there was nothing. There was nothing to indicate where Dorothy had gone. And she had tried to die by suicide before, so she could have just left. And harmed herself. Yeah. Exactly. So a little while later, Leonard tells people that he saw Dorothy. 
I guess she had called him up and was like, hey, let's meet because I need some money. And so he basically just met her on the side of the road and gave her some money. And she was like, I met a guy and he lives in Toledo and I'm going there. So bye. So time marches on and people still don't know where Dorothy is. But the case runs cold because again, there is nothing pointing to what happened to her or where she is. Well, about Three and a half years after Dorothy goes missing. Holy shit. Yeah. Kelly starts having dreams. More like nightmares. And she's having nightmares that Dorothy is trapped in an enclosed space. Okay, now this is sounding like one of my stories. Right. She starts to notice that they had this freezer in the basement. And that when Dorothy was alive, the freezer was super clean. Like, Dorothy would even polish the freezer. Because, I mean, what the hell else did she have to do but clean? Because he wouldn't let her fucking do anything else. But now that she's gone, like, stuff's all piled up on it. It's never used. The dad says he doesn't know where the key is because it's got a padlock on it. That sketch. Right. And apparently it had, like, this, like, orange light on it. Not the, hey, I'm on light. Like, a, I don't know if it was, like, a safety light. I don't know. It had some light on it that really was attracting Kelly to this freezer. And then it was like the dreams and the this and the that. And so she was finally like, this is weird. And one night she goes down the basement to do laundry because you know that that's all that's in basements. Mm-hmm. And, and what? Ghosts. Demons. Though that's what she said. And she's looking at this freezer and she's like, fuck it, I'm opening it. So she gets her little... I don't know, like a wrench and some other thing, a screwdriver, and she pops that fucking lock. As soon as she opens the freezer, she sees that there's blood on the lid and the sides, and she sees her mother fully clothed, bent over in the freezer. Oh my gosh. So she's like freaking out, shaking, freaking out. I saw a couple of different variations on how this next part goes, but I'm just going to tell you one of the variations. So she's like freaking out and goes upstairs, tells her sister like, holy fuck, mom's in the freezer. But they know that their dad is about to come home. So they're like, okay, we got to pretend like we didn't see this so we can get to the police. Because like he's like on his way home from the grocery store. Yeah. So I guess they kind of like fix everything up so he won't know. He comes home and is like unloading groceries like, hi kids. And they're like, hi. And then have to like sneak out of the house to get to the police station. Oh my gosh. Some stuff said that Kelly called her boyfriend at the time, but they said it was Craig. She and Craig weren't together anymore. This was like three and a half years after her mom died. Well, went missing. And I I don't think they were together still, but anyway. So I don't know if she got him to drive her to the police station or not. So the police, of course, like immediately go to the house and are like, okay, duh, who did this? Leonard. So based on the autopsy, they know that Dorothy suffered at least 11 blows to the head. Oh my gosh. And it was, of course, like blunt force trauma. I saw different things where it's like the blows to the head could have been fatal, but we're not actually sure if she was already passed away when she went in the freezer. But then I saw other stuff that was like she had definitely passed before she was put in there. So shortly after this, Leonard is arrested and he's charged with Dorothy's murder. Once they get him arrested, he starts spilling all the tea. He says that Craig and Dorothy were having an affair and that Leonard said that he confronted Dorothy about it and she was like in the kitchen cooking and stuff. I don't know if she had the knife and the fork in her hands or she grabbed it and went downstairs to get something out of the freezer and he followed her downstairs. And then they're arguing some more and she starts berating him, calling him all the names. Craig's a real man. Leonard's not a real man. You know, telling him he's a wimp, a punk, a bastard. You're not a man. You know, get out of my way kind of thing. And he didn't. And she kind of lunged at him with a knife. Now, this is all Leonard's tell. He like pushed her off and hit her head on something and then like continued to hit her head 
10 more times. But then she just kind of fell in the freezer. And he shut the lid? Right. And locked it and, oh my gosh, okay. Right. But then some stuff said he hit her head into the beam and then he put her in the freezer. There's a couple of different versions of even what he said. He definitely tries to minimize his involvement by being like, she was the aggressor. She was the one that was like lunged it with a knife. And so he hit her head on the beam. And then, yeah, she just kind of fell in the freezer. I just kind of flung her in the freezer. You know, like very like trying to minimize his impact. Also, why would she bring a knife and a fork down to the basement to get something out of the freezer? I mean, I don't cook, but I don't feel like that's right. The only time I could see like, okay, she had a knife in her hand is if it was like something that was like stuck together. She was trying to get apart. But like, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Why would she need the fork too? Now, this did go to trial and Craig did testify that Dorothy had tried to seduce him with the walking around in her underwear and calling him a chicken when he wouldn't do it. So I was like, I mean, the name calling thing, I kind of can see that maybe she did do that with Leonard and he, in a rage, killed her. Doesn't mean she deserved to die and it doesn't mean he deserves to get off, but I can see that maybe she did do that if she, she's calling Craig a chicken for not having sex. You know what I mean? That just seems like her personality. So they ended up charging Leonard with second degree murder because even based on his own testimony and what they could find, there there was no indication that there was premeditation for first degree murder. It really does seem like they were in an argument, which they did a lot, and he lost it and killed her in a rage. And Kelly did testify about how like she had these nightmares. They are what made her open this freezer and everything. But Leonard ended up pleading guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 20 to 40 years in prison. But before I tell you the rest, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It's convenient and flexible for your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you will get matched with a licensed therapist. Well, just how I had mentioned that I've been in a funk and I haven't wanted to leave the couch and all of that. Well, at least with better help, I don't have to. I don't have to say, that's a hurdle I have to get over to go to an office, to go, you know, see someone in person. I don't have to do that. I can do it all online. You don't even have to get a shower or put a bra on. You literally can do it from the comfort of your home, from your work, from your car, wherever you need to do it so that you can make this fit into your schedule. Exactly. It's so easy to get caught up in what people need from you and for you and all the things that you end up losing you. And with better help, you are able to take that moment to help yourself. And we know therapy is helpful for a multitude of things like learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, which I talked about earlier doing with the Tinder guy. I felt your side eye with the positive coping skills. Hey, same here. Another thing is therapy empowers you to be the best version of you. Because I think a lot of people say, oh, well, I haven't had trauma in my life or, oh, I don't have anything bad I want to talk about. It's not always about something bad. It's about being the best version of you. Therapy doesn't have to come from a negative space. And if you're not feeling it with the licensed therapist that you have been matched with, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Because when you are working on yourself and working on boundaries and all of that, you want to work with someone that you feel connected with. And if you're not, it's so easy to change so that you can continue to progress in your therapy. So visit betterhelp.com APC to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com. 
H-E-L-P dot com slash A-P-C to get 10% off your first month. Your mind, body, soul will thank you. So go to betterhelp.com slash APC to get 10% off your first month. Okay, so Leonard's case actually went to the Michigan Supreme Court and a lot of like legal mumbo jumbo and his conviction was actually overturned on a legal technicality. What I understood from the legal document that I found online is that during the voir dire process, which is like how they interview jurors, like that's what that is. Leonard's defense team had asked for people to be sequestered and they wanted to submit questions to be asked to the potential jurors. But at this court, they're like, no, man, we got this. Like, here's our questions. If you want to know more, submit them and like we may or may not ask them kind of thing. And so basically they were like, uh, you didn't really let us do our part in selecting the jurors. And I'm pretty sure that that's what got it overturned. But there was a lot of words on that page and I needed Donna to read it and TLDR it for me. But in November of 1994, his sentence was reduced to 19 to 25 years. Wait, how was it overturned but he wasn't let out? Because it was like all went back. Oh, it was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like overturned. He's out forever. It was like, let's retry this. Kind yeah. Of thing. Also, I said idiot. Very weird. So one thing said their oldest daughter, Kim, wrote a letter, but everything else said the oldest daughter was Kelly. Anyway, but one of the daughters basically wrote a letter and was like, he's a good dad. Like, we would welcome him to come back. What? You're just going to prolong our grief by keeping him in prison. He was actually released from prison in 1999. Oh, my God. So one of the articles I found was like, he's going to be in like his late 70s at this point. One of the websites was like, we can't really find anything about him. We just assume he's living somewhere in Michigan. Maybe in a deep freeze. But I think he died in November of 2014 at 71 because I found this obituary. But like, let me just read it to you. So it says his name, 71, where he lived, all that tracks. It says he retired from the Detroit public school system as oh. dean of students. Oh. But he retired from there? How would he have retired from there? He went to prison. He didn't retire. He went to prison. But, I mean, people church things up. Yeah. Okay. And then it was like, he was a member of this Catholic church, and he graduated from California University, and he has a master's degree, which I'm like, okay, he would have been, I mean, they were married for like 20 years, so yeah. he could have done all of that. Yeah. And then it said he was survived by his two daughters, Kelly Horn and Kim Tabersky. So I'm like, this has got to be him. Right? Kelly and Kim, the daughters. But like, it has no mention of like preceded in death mm -hmm. by his wife you know what i mean like it says because sometimes on these obituaries on these websites like it will throw shade like it will yeah. be like and he was in prison for murdering his wife like it will tell yeah. you those things and it didn't so i'm pretty sure he passed in 2014 wow but that's got to be him right yeah but there was like comments on it and like so sorry for your loss like you've had such a hard road like all this stuff so i'm like gotta be him yeah I'm so surprised that the girls would have written a letter being like, hey, like, we, he was a great dad, blah, blah, blah. Because on Small Town Murders, they talked about how basically verbally abusive he was. And that even Craig was like, no, he's terrible. Like, he's a jerk. He's mean. He's, he's tyrannical. That's the only place I heard and saw that. But I mean, if he really was abusing Dorothy, I, that's why I'm just so surprised. Yeah. 
but still victims do things, you know, like yeah. if they have been abused and all of that all their lives and he's like, you better do this to get me out of prison. Yeah, that's so true. I feel so sorry for the daughter who found. That is horrible. Oh my gosh. Because you know, you're like, it's just my imagination. This is so weird. Like I must have ate something bad that gave me the nightmares. And then no. It like, really was like a premonition. Yeah. There's just so much to unpack here because, you know, she was underage and he essentially groomed her, took advantage of a child. And then she dropped out of school. They dated. And then he waited until she was 18 to marry her. And in reality, he was like, what, five years older than her? So if they were 21 and 26, no big deal. But they're 21 and 16. Yeah. Huge deal. Again, like we were saying before with Craig and Dorothy, the power balance. Uh huh. And so is it because that's all she knew? Or was she just like really looking for a way out or looking at a way to get some excitement in her life? Was she looking for a way to piss him off? Was she, you know, because it seems like he had a lot of jealousy and issues in their relationship. And I don't know. But I mean, no matter what happened, nobody deserves to be murdered. Right. I mean, she kind of, in a way, did to Craig what Leonard did to her. Obviously not to the extreme. God, their house just sounds so toxic. Everything in it gives me anxiety. Yes. Also, and I feel like they were probably not the type to, even though they made you take your shoes off, you should have to provide them with footwear. Yes. Like, I don't want to walk around your house with bare feet. I don't. I can't. You don't do it at your own house. No. But I'm saying, like, if you think that people should take their shoes off to come in your house, totally understand that. 100%. Like, respect that. But, like, if I come over your house, you better have me some slippers. Yes. And, like, not nasty ones. Right. Like, they better be, like, freaking clean. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you better have some, like, house flip-flops or something that I can wear. Now, I want to know if the girls were home when she would, like, parade around in her undergarments in front of Craig. Because how cringe is that? I I really don't think so. Because, you know, I mean, we've all seen it with, like, the dad that'll come out with, like, short shorts on. And, you know, you're like, Dad, put your clothes on. Ew, you know, whatever. They said that Craig would get so, like, skeeved out by her that, like, standing over and stuff that he would go and sleep on the floor in Kelly's room and that like one time she like opened Kelly's door and saw him in there and was like oh and like closed it because like she was trying to find him like they knew but I don't think they knew how bad it was yeah. y'all really should go listen to that episode of small town murders because like I said they had so much detail that I never found anywhere else I'm discombobulated from that story I know, there were so many like things about yeah. it okay so I'm talking about the disappearance of Frederick Valentich However, a lot of people say he didn't go missing. They say he was abducted. Oh, God. By aliens. Oh, God. So picture it. Melbourne, Australia, October 21st, 1978. Also, Carrie gave me uh, daggers from her eyes, and she said it's supposed to be Melbourne. And I just sound like I'm doing a terrible Australian accent. So I said Melbourne. It was a normal Saturday afternoon when 20-year-old Frederick Valentich rented a Cessna 182L. And so it's one of those smaller planes. It seats four people. It's a single engine plane. His plans were to meet some friends at King Island, and it's a little over an hour flight away. Also, he was going to pick up some crayfish and bring them back with him. So that's another thing about pronunciation. Because I looked this up because everything was saying crayfish. And I'm like, okay, what is the difference? And I'm not the only one who Googled this because it like populated when I did it. What's the difference between crayfish and crawfish? So I was like, oh, at least I'm not the only one. It's nothing, right? Yes. It's just 
where you're from. Mm -hmm. So it's either crayfish, crawfish, or crawdads, but it's the same. Anyway, something to note about good old Fred is that he had been flying for two years and he had logged a little over 150 hours of solo flying. His dream was to become a commercial pilot. Well, honestly, his dream was to be a pilot, but he wasn't the best pilot in the world. Like he applied for the Royal Australian Air Force, which is RAF, twice. And he was rejected. And so then he was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll be a commercial pilot. And he failed a lot of the tests. Like you have to do like five tests. He failed all but one of them. Ooh. Again, he was determined. And so he kept at it. And so he was retaking some of those tests. That's exactly who I want flying my aircraft, said no one ever. I know. Okay, so here's my question. Because what is the difference in someone failing that test and someone failing like an accreditation. But why is it for him being a pilot that that is so bad? Because I was like, oh, I wouldn't want to ride with him. Is it because we're in the air and so we feel more vulnerable? No, for me, it's because some like accreditation test may be they're just not good test takers. This is a skill. This would be like, to me, a surgeon not being able to like suture you up. Like it's a skill versus them being able to pick a multiple choice. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. But I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And then I, I'm not a good test taker and I would fail multiple times. But if you want to do something, you're going to keep at it. But also sometimes like I feel for him, I'm just like, that might not be a dream that comes true. Right. That is a skill where you're having to like perform. I mean, I'm assuming I've never taken a pilot test. I don't know what the five tests include. And some tests are just fucking hard and they're meant for you to fail to weed out the people. But like, if it's like a skill test where... Oh, yeah, he just got a little nervous the first time because it was so important. And then the second time he did it. But also, when you're in those situations where the plane's going down, you got to be able to think on your feet. So that's very different than a CPA that failed the exam a couple of times that can look something up in a book. Yeah, that's such a good example, though, about how you said it's a skill. Because you're right. Like, it's not just knowledge he has to know. Like, it's hands-on. He's got to execute it. Yeah. Sometimes in dire situations, like that can be life or death. Yeah. I was just like, I'd be up in the air and I I don't want him to be my pilot. He would be the friend to be like, hey, do you want to go up and fly? No. No, I don't, Fred. Thanks for the offer, but no. Because as much as I want to have like a private plane tour and stuff, uh, that's what a lot of people have died on. I thought the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know about that. Because Fred wasn't the best pilot, he had a class four instrument rating, which meant he could fly at night, but it had to be like perfect weather conditions for him to do so. Well, sunset was at 6.43 p.m. that night. And just a little after 7 p.m., Fred radioed to the Melbourne Air Flight Service and asked if there was another plane in the same path. Because there was military that would, you know, do thing like, what do you call it? Training? Yes. <laughs> you know, they do, like, we have that here with Camp Shelby. So he was like, oh, it's probably one of them, whatevs, but let me just make sure. He spoke with a man named Stephen Roby, and Fred was like, look, there's this large aircraft. It's like a thousand feet above me, and it keeps passing me. Stephen Roby, the flight service guy, was like, Fred didn't seem like he was in a panic, but his voice did sound concerned and a little confused. 
So Stephen Roby was like, okay, can you tell me what it looks like? Because I don't see another aircraft where you're saying you are, you know, all the things. Fred went on to explain that he couldn't get a great look because it was flying too fast and kind of circling him. So he's like, it's playing a game with me, I feel like. He said that there was some green light on the aircraft and it looked sort of metallic, like shiny all over the aircraft itself. But then Fred said that the craft disappeared. But at that point, his own Cessna started having some trouble. He said that his engine was sputtering and it seemed to go into an idle mode. And then Fred started sounding more panicked and he told the tower that the strange aircraft was back and hovering on top of him again. And then he repeated that it was hovering and then his final words were, and it's not an aircraft. Then there was some clicking noise and some metallic scraping noise over the radio and then silence. And that was at 7.12 p.m. And that was the last time anyone had heard from Frederick Valentich. So the tower guy, Stephen Roby, he put an alert phase on that Cessna plane that Fred was piloting. That has a certain length of time and then it'll escalate to the distress phase. And then that's when the search will begin. So that's what happened. And the search lasted four days. Unfortunately, there was no evidence of a crash or really of anything. Stephen Roby knew that he had talked to Fred. He knew what he had heard, but there was no evidence of anything malfunctioning or anything. Fred and his airplane had vanished without a trace. When they alerted Fred's dad, Guido, he was like, this sounds like aliens. Because you see, Guido, he was a big UFO enthusiast. His name is Guido? Yes. Like his actual name? Yes. Okay. Well, he had also gotten his son Fred into it as well. But those close to Fred said, all right, they all love UFOs and they were all about aliens and all the things. But Fred's mom said that she had seen something and it really scared her. And I guess her being afraid of it, it kind of scared Fred. And so he started saying like, you know what? If aliens came here, they might not be friendly. They might attack us. And so it manifested. That fear manifested, but it was a recent fear. And it would be easy to dismiss this claim of alien abduction, you know, like, okay, sure, sure. But some other people came forward about things they had witnessed around the same time as Fred's disappearance. One of these eyewitnesses was interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries and it was a man, he was with his family, and they were going back home when they all saw something weird in the sky. And I think the niece is like, oh, what's that? And he's like, it's an airplane, duh. And she's like, no, 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 the thing above the airplane. And that's when they saw the green light that seemed to be above the airplane. And that was weird. So they stopped, got out to just see what was going on. And this is a quote from that eyewitness. I looked up and I saw this long green light about 1,000 or 2,000 feet above the aircraft. So I sat there and watched it for a few seconds and the green light crept closer to the plane. I said, that plane's coming down pretty steep. It's on a 45 degree angle. And I said, I think it's going to crash. I love the people that they get to interview. I know, I know. <laughs> so this guy was like, yeah, seemed like a UFO encounter to me, but I'm not an expert. And also they never saw the green light come into contact with the plane and they never witnessed a crash. But there were also several people who claimed to see a weird light that was moving very quickly in the sky, like 10 people or so. So it wasn't just an isolated event. 
Some of these claims came after news broke of Fred's disappearance, but some were like that night of or before that they had seen weird lights in the area. So some were like, yeah, they just like, were like, oh, it's a UFO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it in the sky too. But some of these you can't discredit because they were before or exactly at the same time as Fred's disappearance. Now, remember that four-day search that they had? During that time, there is some oil that was found in the Bass Strait, which is like the body of water that he was flying over. Now, both samples had small quantities of hydrocarbon oil. I don't know what that is. Basically, they were like, look, it looks more like marine oil than what an airplane would use. I think it's inconclusive. It's not him. And that's all the search had yielded. Then a little over a month later, Roy Manifold A resident who was an amateur photographer came forward with some of his photographs. He said that he had set his camera to get some pictures of the sunset over Bass Strait. Now, it was right under Fred's flight path. Roy said that he had set it for like automatic exposure and he took several photographs, like six of them, of the sun disappearing into the sea. Well, when the film was developed, there were a few that had like something on it, but then like there was one that had something that was really unrecognizable and they called it a blemish. But Roy thought back about it and he was like, wait a minute, this was the same time, the same day that that plane vanished. So he took it to the police and they had a lab analyze the photograph. They said there was no damage or anything to the negative and their conclusion, it was something captured on film. You know, it wasn't doctored or anything like that. Then the negative was sent to a team of peeps who were all about UFOs. And they were like, oh, that blemish, that's a solid metallic object. And it looks like there's some exhaust around it. So again, everyone was leaning toward the alien abduction theory. But then another analysis of the photograph found that like it could have been a developing error. But it wasn't doctored. This was an honest thing. But the picture, I mean, it's not like, oh, that's a UFO. You know what I mean? Well, now fast forward five years and there was an engine cowl flap question mark on this shit because I don't know anything about planes. Where's Colby? Because he probably knows even though he doesn't know anything about planes. (laughs) You know, he's always coming out with, yeah, that's what a boom truck is. I'm like, what? How do you know this shit? (laughs) I know. Uh, Not me. Not me. Me, I picture like an actual cow flapping. Well, when they looked at it, it belonged to a Cessna plane, and this was found in Flinders Island, a ways away from where Frederick, you know, disappeared, but not like too far. Well, so people, you know, looked at it, and the Royal Australian Navy Research Lab said that there was a serial number on it, but it was only partial, and it matched the numbers or the sequence of numbers that was on the Cessna that Fred had been flying. So it's like if A through F planes had this sequence, his was in that batch. So it didn't necessarily match his serial number, but like it's like they were all manufactured at the same time. So it's kind of like people said, okay, he did crash and he's dead. But then other people are like, no, the aliens could have abducted him. That's not his whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so it like didn't prove anything, but it was a pivotal moment for these people. Okay. Let's just say, I believe that he was abducted. Couldn't he have been abducted and the plane still crashed? 100%. I'm just saying those weren't all of the options. Right. But even so, it's just like, I don't know. You know, we'll get into some of the theories and why people like really point to this one part so much. 
The first theory is that Fred wanted to get out of his life and start over. So he faked his death and the whole alien abduction thing because he knew his family would buy it. You know, he said he was going to meet friends at King Island. Well, there was no one waiting for him. No one said, oh yeah, we had plans to meet, hang out, do all the things. Also, the airport that he would have flown into wasn't notified to leave the runway lights on or anything, so they had closed by the time Fred would have arrived. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Fred, too. So, he had some, uh... Mental health issues? Yes. (laughs) No! He had some, uh, run-ins. You're not supposed to just, like, go through clouds, apparently. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and I oop, twice through a cloud. And they're like, no, no, no. But they never, like, took his license away or anything. They were just like, don't do that again. So anyway, like, I mean, he probably wouldn't have called and been like, oh, I could do it. They don't need to leave the lights on. I could do it. You know, because that's how he thought. But like, right, that ain't protocol. So people say he wasn't ever meaning to go there. He was leaving his life behind. However, the people who knew Fred, they were like, uh, he was really happy with his life. He had a great relationship with his girlfriend. He was really close to his family. And he was making strides with his dream of becoming a commercial pilot because he only needed to pass one more subject, you know, after he failed all of those. So they're like, there's no reason for him to go and start over. Like he was thriving here. And he's only 20. Oh. So he has his whole future ahead of him. Well, then there's another one. Theory number two, Fred got discombobulated and lost control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So some believe that the green light he saw was a navigation light that's on the right wingtip of that Cessna model. They said that it might have been reflected on the windshield and, you know, his mind, because he was so fixated on aliens right then, he wanted to believe it was aliens. And that got him distracted and scared and things started to spiral from there. So there's this thing where it can appear that the horizon is tilted or something like that. This happens when the sun has set, but it's still kind of, you know, like illuminating the horizon. It sometimes looks tilted. And I mean, we're up in the air and you're, you know what I mean? Like you can understand what's like straight and what's not straight when you're on the ground. I mean, I can't, I can't hang a picture for shit. But pilots do sometimes like try to overcorrect and like straighten out their aircraft and it was straight. So it's just like they overcorrect and that can lead to, you know, them spiraling downward. Well, because of this, they said, okay, he could have thought the navigation light was above him, but he wasn't flying straight. So, you know, he's like, oh my God, it's above me, but uh, it's because you were flying at an angle and, you know, all the things. There were some people who were like, "Uh, you can tell when you're upside down because things will fall out of place. One pilot, Arthur Shutt, he said, quote, in that half light, the pilot would have soon known if the aircraft had turned upside down, the carpet comes out of the floor and the butts fall out of the ashtray. Meanwhile, what year was this? You still smoking in an airplane? Mm-hmm. 78. Oh, yeah, they still were. But that just cracked me up. The butts will fall out of the ashtray. Another thing is this Cessna isn't able to fly when it's inverted for a long time. So some people are like, okay, that is what happened. Because remember, he's like, oh, wait, it's gone. And then he's like, oh, my engine is idling or whatever. Well, if he was upside down or inverted, the engine would have shut off and then he's going to crash. Yeah. So that could have all been happening. However, they're like, um, where is the crash site, though? 
Because even though the bulk of it would sink to the bottom, sure, the Cessna model has parts that are meant to float. So they should have been able to find some kind of part, like some kind of thing saying, oh yeah, that's where he landed. So people are like, well, I don't think that theory holds water. Oh, maybe not the right analogy. Okay, yeah. Okay, the third one is from the Skeptic Inquirer. There was an article written by James Magaha and Joe Nickel. And James Magaha, he's a retired Air Force pilot or something. And Joe Nickel, he is like a paranormal skeptic, you know, writes all the things. He's Carrie, okay? But like professional? Yes. Well, they said basically it wasn't a UFO. Instead, Fred had seen planets and some bright stars. He let the power of suggestion kind of make his mind race and he came up with aliens. However, people are like, okay, but those planets and stars that they're talking about... It's Venus, Mars, Mercury, and the bright star Antares. Antares? I don't know. Obviously, I know nothing about anything in the sky. Yeah, they're bright, but when it's dark, and it wasn't dark yet, like the sun had just set. So it's not like this happened at 10 o'clock at night. And they kind of went on about like, yeah, people said that they saw things in the sky, but it's kind of like when you say, oh, do you see there's an arrow in FedEx, the logo, and then now you can't unsee the arrow? Right. You're welcome. Because Casey, Carrie's sister, did that to me. That was forever ago. And I always see the arrow now. Because you're like, oh, God, he vanished. He was abducted by aliens. And then you're like looking more at the sky. And then again, people are like, man, they don't know what the shit's going on up in the airspace. So they're like, what is that light? Oh, my gosh, you know. So they're just saying uh, they think that power of suggestion just really is what happened here. Fred got scared, didn't know what to do, and he died. And then other people were like, aliens. And they're just, you know, like saying, yeah, it's in the sky. Making the evidence match the story instead of the story coming from the evidence. Right. However, like I said, people were skeptical of the skeptics because they're like, yeah, we get that those planets are bright and that star is really bright, but... What you're saying really doesn't make sense because, I mean, if you think about it, sometimes you can see a star or a planet when the sun is still like just kind of setting, but it's not bright enough that you're like, whoa, that's an alien. You know what I mean? I agree, Joey Lauren. (laughs) Whoa. But then there's a theory of Bass Strait. And again, that's that body of water that Fred was flying over. And locals call it the Bass Strait Triangle. You know, like the Bermuda Triangle. Because people go missing over it. So they're like, okay, yeah, but like, I can't remember the numbers because I never saw like a set number. But say 10 planes and things have went missing over this and there's nowhere that they can find them. So they're like, oh shit, the Bass Strait Triangle. People go missing over this. So they're like, yeah, it might not be aliens, but it's something supernatural. And it all just kind of like came together when Fred was over it. And that's why he's gone. Now, to the day... He died. Guido, his dad, was like, no, this was aliens. And a lot of people said like, oh, the Australian government didn't want to release the documents, didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that. And so it kind of was like, oh, there's a cover up, you know, things like that. Like everything when we talk about UFOs, they were saying this about that. However, when you look at it, and we now know some documents have been declassified and They all do kind of talk about like a long metallic shape of these UFOs and 
all the things. So it's like, what if he did see something? What if this was true, but he just happened to be a bad pilot and he, he overcorrected or, you know, he just, he would be me. He'd like fainted goat and didn't know how to handle what he saw. Also, can I pause for a second to say that I am a very egocentric American. When you said the Australian government, like, knowing stuff about aliens, I was like, why did I never think that other governments know things about aliens? (laughs) Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever thought. Like, why was that new information to me? So, conversely, though, that made me think next was, okay, of all the governments, every country got some classified files on fucking aliens. So you're telling me out of all these governments, nobody spilled the beans other than like a couple little documents here and there? Bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) I will say I do not believe this is an alien abduction. But before I tell you what I think, we got to talk about base. So Colby and I went recently to a work party and it was like an overnight stay at one of the casinos and we took our base weekender. Literally, we were walking to the elevator and he was like, I'm all about that base because I had my (laughs) base bag. He's like, you know, like you usually say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we love a supportive king. (laughs) But he's right because we were all about that base bag because it came in handy while we were traveling. Because, yeah, it was just an overnight state, but Carrie and I are overpackers. And Colby is, too. Yeah, don't let him fool you. The thing about the base weekender is that you can open it up and it reminds me kind of like a doctor's bag. Yes, that's exactly what it is, but like way bigger. And more fashionable. But so you can really overpack your heart out, but also it's easy to get in, you know, because sometimes you like put something in the bottom and then you're like, I got to get that out, but I have to take out everything to get to it. Not with this. No. And just like my previous trip in the bottom zipper part, I put makeup, I put a makeup mirror, and then Colby put his nasty shoes. <laughs> because it has so many pockets on the way home because we had overpacked and I had some clothes that were still clean, but I didn't want to put them with the dirty clothes. I was able to put them in the pockets and keep the clean clothes separate from the dirty clothes. Oh, that's a good idea. And let's just be honest, spring is here, summer's on its way, and that means everyone is wanting to get out of town for a little bit, and base has you covered. Has all your bases covered. I was about to say, you really are missing an opportunity here if you don't say that. And you're missing an opportunity if you don't get the base luggage. Not only does it have the weekender bags like we've been raving about, it's got all the good good that you could possibly need for traveling. It's got different sizes of luggage that have the awesome 360 gliding wheels. The luggage even has cushion handles with a built-in weight indicator. And then you got washable bags for your dirty clothes. Like I said, all the pockets. So if you don't have those bags, you can stuff your stuff in your pockets. <laughs> That's a mouthful. And remember, base was created by Shay Mitchell. And so you know Shay came to slay with her luggage. Every piece is made to look better with miles, so you don't have to worry about it getting banged up in the cargo areas or overhead. And there are over 30,000 five-star reviews. If you can get that many five-star reviews, you are doing something right because that is not easy. And I will tell you, there's so many different colors. So there's, you know, the normal black, gray, but then there's my favorite, their Sherbert collection, and it's berry, and it is just like neon pink, and I love it. I want it, and I'm going to get it. So Base is offering 15% off your first purchase if you go to basetravel.com slash creep. That's B-E-I-S-T 
T-R-A-V-E-L.com slash creep for 15% off your first purchase. You will not be disappointed. For 15% off your first purchase, go to basetravel.com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P. Okay, I'm dying to know what you think it, because if you don't think it's an alien, what you think it is? Because you're all about the alien train. Well, I mean, I do like being probed. I thought you were going to say you do like a train. It could have went multiple ways. But I think you and I both kind of agree on this. For once in our lives. (laughs) And I think we both kind of agreed that he was just kind of a shit pilot. Something spooked him, something whatever happened. And he just didn't have the skills to handle this emergency situation. I do agree with that. I think that he lost his faculties up there from some disorientation or confusion or literally anything. I mean, it could have been a UFO. I really don't think it is, though. But I'm not saying aliens. I'm just saying a UFO. You're right about that. Because it was a military base area, and so, you know. True. So they could have swept that stuff up really quickly if something was where it wasn't supposed to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was a death caused by it. Right. I mean, I see myself and Fred here because I would flip out, too. Be like, what's that green light? I mean, me and you saw a light in the sky. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And we were like, what is that? But, like, I could have had a fucking wreck because I'm, like, trying to look at it and, like, follow it and stuff. So, uh, I'm on the ground and I could have had a wreck. But, like, he's in the air. And so, if you overcorrect, that's when things really do go in a downward spiral. Oh, absolutely. I understand why things would have happened the way it happened. But, like, I just don't think it was an alien. Like you said, it could be it's unidentified. If there really was something there, yeah, it's unidentified, but not alien unidentified. Right. But then people are like, but he really kind of gave all the adjectives that a UFO that we know of, like alien UFO encounters. Yeah, but he's also trained with that because that's what his family's obsessed mm-hmm. with right now. So exactly. of course he did. Yeah, so that is the disappearance of Frederick Valentich. It is sad that his body hasn't been found. You know, the plane hasn't been found. So there's still nothing concrete about this. It's a disappearance and there's multiple theories. So, I mean, UFO enthusiasts really do look at this and they're like, no, 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 this is real. This happened. There is a tape that you can hear where he's talking to the tower. I will say like hearing his final words say, and it's not an aircraft. Yeah, that's that's pretty intense. However, I will say I listened to the last podcast on the left and they said, what if he was going to say, and it's not an aircraft, It's my light from my wing. How people are saying, like, it could have been the navigation light. And, like, he realized it and was like, oh, shit, I did it. Like, I overcorrected. You know, we don't know what he was going to say, what he saw. So it's just those what ifs. Yeah, because you want it to be those other things. Yeah. I've never thought about this, about, like, the people who work in the air traffic control tower. Sometimes their job has to be super fucking hard. Because, I mean, if you think about just the people like Fred, they hear his last words. He's alone. And then they have no, like, they can't offer any help because they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Like, here's where he was. But if you can't find his plane, we don't know. And they can't see what he sees. Exactly. But then if you think about planes that have been hijacked or anything, like they hear this stuff and they're trying to help. They're like 911 operators. Operators. How you said it it was like smooth operator. (laughs) But yes, they are. 
I don't know. I couldn't do either job. Well, but they're also like incredibly trained for this. You could be a 911 operator too with no training. That's what I mean. I couldn't do either job. I'm also very excitable Mm -hmm. and I would freak out. No truer words have been spoken. (laughs) I definitely feel like he lost control and was disoriented, couldn't get it back, all the things. But as far as where the plane is... Dunno. And then if you think about it, maybe his dad even like didn't believe the alien theory, but that kept it where he had hope. It wasn't just that Fred is dead. I hate when parents die without resolution. For sure. But I thought it was time for a little alien encounter because we haven't had one in a bit. I know I've said this multiple times in this podcast, and I true I don't think that we're the only people in all of the galaxies and all of the planets and all of the uh, whatever those spacey words are like Milky if, Way. But but if there are infinite Milky Ways, you know that would be your dream. God, I love a damn Milky Way. <laughs> But truly, if there are supposed to be an infinite number of like solar systems and stuff, then, I mean, it's silly to think that we're the only ones. You just don't think aliens will come down and probe us and take us and learn from us? I just don't know how much I believe that. Well, let us know what you think, you know, to probe, to not probe. All Donna's got to do is laugh to open her probe hole up. (laughs) Probe hole! Oh, God. Also, we definitely want to know your opinion about Leonard and Dorothy, Craig, that whole toxic mess. But no matter what was going on there, she did not deserve to be murdered. Absolutely not. And none of these kids deserve to be preyed on. Like, even Dorothy, when she was younger, by her teacher and all of that. Like, there's just so much to this story where it's like, why are these kids being exposed to all that, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just breaks my heart. But yes, like Donna said, tell us your opinion on both stories. We can't wait to hear it. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.